Welcome everybody this evening. It's good to it's good to be together as family on Christmas Eve, isn't it? It's good to to just come together and share the joy of the Lord. And, and you know, each of you are our family. It, it's so good to have Mary and Gary back because they've been missed, you know. And to hear sitting stand sitting here beside Gary and hearing his voice saying, "I've missed that," and um, just just to be able to share Christmas with with our family and, and our friends and all of you is is it's a joy. So, and, and I think David's joy was getting the lights up because I think he's been wanting that. I think these are his Christmas gifts. Hey, thanks. You can turn them out. So, we're going to start this evening and we're going to read the Christmas story. Imagine that, right? Luke 2, 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger." because there was no room for them in the end. And I'm going to tell you, I get weepy over the Christmas story. So bear with me. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then an angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, Jesus, they made widely known this saying which was told them concerning the child, which was what the angels had told them out in the field. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart just like any mother would. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. So we always read the Christmas story, don't we? On Christmas Eve, it it just wouldn't quite be Christmas without it. And I almost didn't put this first part of Scripture in there. I almost picked up with the Scripture I really wanted to use, but I thought, you know what? It just wouldn't be Christmas Eve without it. So tonight, as every other Christmas Eve, we read through the Christmas story, and we celebrate the birth of the Christ child. And on this night, we ponder many things, don't we? Uh, Am I the only one that thinks of the way things may have been that night for Mary and Joseph? Our minds might go to the shepherds out in the fields and, and what it felt like, what they experienced when the angels sang to them and when the angels talked to them. Our minds may go to... um, the stable to Mary and Joseph, and of course the baby Jesus. We may think about just what transpired that night and how it happened, 
and what it means to the world today. We rejoice that God sent his one and only son to save us, and we imagine what it may have sounded like to hear the angels singing. And as we will sing Silent Night later on this evening at the close of service, I imagine that it was anything but a silent night. How could it be with a choir of angels singing? I imagine it was so loud and so glorious that I I imagine they could hear it in the next hillside. We praise God for the birth of Jesus and what it meant. But tonight, we're going to go look a little bit farther into Scripture, beyond where we might normally read on Christmas Eve. And I love this portion of Scripture. So let's flash forward. We're going to go forward eight days after the birth of Christ, and we're going to be reading from Luke 2, 21 through 35. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The word Christ comes from Christos, meaning anointed or anointed one. And so Simeon knew that this was the anointed, the anointed of the Lord. So he, Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Or, Lord, now I can die happy knowing that I have seen the Christ. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, these aren't just words of scripture. These sound like a prophecy to me. I don't know about you, but they sound like a prophecy to me because Simeon had a, he had an inkling of what was going to happen, didn't he? He knew what was going to happen to Jesus. He told Mary, a sword will pierce your side. He knew she would suffer great agony when she lost her son because maybe she didn't quite understand at that point just how things were going to transpire. But Simeon gave her a little inkling, and she pondered all these things in her heart. Luke's phrase in 25, the consolation of Israel, is a striking phrase and should be taken in the messianic sense. Consolation, by the way, means the comfort after a loss or a disappointment. And throughout their history, the people of Israel had suffered greatly, often for their own sin. Their land was frequently overrun by foreign powers. 
powers who knew the significance of Palestine, which connected Africa, Europe, and Asia. They suffered under slavery in Egypt and endured troubles of exile. In short, they were people in desperate need of consolation or comfort, the kind that could only be given by the arrival of the son of David, the one who they were long expecting, the one who would guard them and provide for the forgiveness of their sins, the Messiah, the Messiah. Simeon, as we read in Luke, was an elderly man who spent his life waiting, waiting to see the one who would be the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah, the one who would redeem his people from their sins. Imagine his joy when the Spirit revealed that this baby, the one he held in his arms, was the Messiah. Can you just see Think about it in your mind. Picture him. Get a, get a mental image here. Think of what he may have looked like, what he may have done. As he held this Christ child, were the tears running down his face? Did he do a little jig? I imagine maybe he did all those things. Maybe he did more. You know, we don't know. But I can just imagine how great his joy was. He'd waited all his life, and God promised him he would see this Messiah before he died. Simeon called Jesus salvation. Rather than simply calling him by name, Jesus, the, the name that, the, that God instructed Joseph in the, through the angel in the dream to give him in Matthew one twenty one, Simeon calls Jesus salvation. Can you think of a better title for him? As we see this announcement coming from the lips of this old man, we must immediately see our need for salvation. Just as, the, just as the angel announced Jesus as a savior in the fields to the shepherds at his birth, Simeon calls baby Jesus salvation. Jesus came for one purpose. He did not come for the purpose of growing his Twitter account or to grow his Facebook list. He didn't come to have more people on his contact list. He didn't come just to be a moral teacher or a good man. Jesus came for one purpose, the purpose of saving sinners to die on the cross so the people of the world could be saved from their sin. That's you and me. And now, Simeon has seen the Savior of the world face to face. Can you think of a better Christmas gift for Simeon or for us? Simeon's gift was God's promise fulfilled, not only to Simeon, but to the entire world. Simeon now had become a witness of God's great salvation plan in person, face to face, one-on-one. Acts 4.12 says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among, given among men by which we must be saved. This is saying that salvation is not available through any other person in human history other than Jesus himself, not Buddha, Muhammad, Allah, or even Confucius. These and all other religious leaders are incapable of providing salvation. Jesus was called salvation, and he alone has the power to sins. Simeon announced the good news to the Gentiles. Even many of the Jews who eventually became some of the early Christians did not fully understand God's plan to save Gentiles until much later. Therefore, when Simeon stood in the temple and praised God while holding the baby Jesus, many of the Jews and even the priests serving in the temple had a very different view of God's salvation plan. They believed that God was saving the Jews only, and they often despised the Gentiles. 
Simeon voiced a different idea altogether. It was God's plan of salvation and involves people of all nations and races. Simeon said Jesus was a light for the revelation of the Gentiles. That's in verse 32. Revelation meaning, and get this, a surprising and previously unknown fact, especially when made known in a dramatic way. Now, I can't think of a much more dramatic way than being born and having angels proclaim your birth, having wise men come two years later, having God perform an immaculate conception. I can't imagine a much more dramatic way. As we consider this this wonderful statement by Simeon, we must see God's intent to bring all people to himself. Jesus would come to save his people from their sins, according to the angel in Matthew 1.21. And these people would be from all nations. Sorry, Salvation through Jesus is for all people groups, all nationalities, all social classes, male and female, rich and poor, young and old. The salvation of God transcends social and socioeconomical barriers. What wonderful news for us. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved in Romans 10, 13. Jesus did not remain a baby. He did not stay in a manger. He grew into a man who lived a sinless life, kept the law of God in totality, was tempted in all ways just like us, but remained without sin, and was killed on a Roman cross so that you and I might be reconciled to God. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus took the wrath of God for us. He covered our sin with his blood. It's no accident that the cross stands behind the tree tonight. It wasn't because, it's not there because we were too tired to take it down or we were too lazy. That cross is there because without the cross, we wouldn't have salvation. Without the birth, there would be no cross, would there? One works in tandem with the other. So as we celebrate Christmas tonight, remember why he came. Remember the birth of the Savior. And as you celebrate tonight and tomorrow with your family, remember Simeon's Christmas. Simeon called him salvation. And long after we put away the lights and the tree comes down, and the wrapping papers out in the trash, we will still have Jesus, the light of the world, our Savior. Merry Christmas, everyone.